Hey, I'm Brandon. And I'm Hannah, and we're the pastors at New Community Church. Yeah, and it's our hope that this message inspires you to take your next steps in your faith journey with Jesus. Thanks for joining us today, and enjoy the message. Put your hand together for Jesus in this place. Love it. Man, I uh, love just being together, and I'm excited for this series. We've been looking forward to this for some time, and we're excited for the next five weeks, the next five Sundays, what we're going to be doing together. It's bigger than Sundays, and I'll share a little bit more about that. But before we jump into this series on the Gospels, I want to explain to you why we're doing it and uh, why we think it's important for the church. And um, just want to begin with this idea. In fact, I'll tell you a little bit of good news and the bad news. So what do you want to hear first, good news or bad news? Come on, bad news people, right? go ahead and raise your hand if that's you, if you're bad news. Too bad I wrote good news in there first in my notes, so we're going with the good news. Hey, here's some good news, and it's a well-studied fact for the last 30 years. This has been measured by pollsters in our nation that people who engage with the Bible four times a week experience more emotional and mental health as well as more overall satisfaction in their life. Four times a week. That means people who don't just go to church on Sundays, but they know how to open up the Bible and really experience a personal connection with God every time that they're there. Come on. Everybody kind of turn to somebody and just say four times. Four times. Good number to remember. It's a good, good number. Thank God he, it wasn't seven, right? Okay, so four times a week. But here's the bad news, a little bit of a, a bad news, that today more and more people in our culture are less and less familiar with the Bible. Isn't that right? I mean, that's true of your neighbors. It's true of your friends. Um, there's a lot of people in our community. That's what they feel. In fact, there are people in this room who feel that way. And it may not be that you're, you may be okay with God, you may be okay with Jesus, but just the Bible, it's just Maybe it's just, I mean, confusing. Like, why isn't it in alphabetical order? Anybody else? Like, what, what's going on? What was the idea? Who planned this thing? Who came up with the characters and the names? Maybe you're just, you're just confused. Or, or maybe for you, it's just dry. Like, you're like, man, it just feels like history and lists of names, and I just can't ever get through it, or weird laws and lots of blood. I mean, it's very gory, let's be honest. Maybe it's irrelevant to your life because of that. Um, maybe if you hunt, it is relevant to your life because of that. Um, or maybe you, let's, you know, if you were honest, you have read it. You read it maybe a long time ago, and honestly, there's just no desire there anymore. Like, just what you've gone through, your experiences, kind of how you see things, the things that you learned in college, you know, there's just kind of a little bit of distance between you and the Bible, and you're just not sure that you need to open it up or that it's even worth your while, it's worth your time. If that's you, in any one of those spaces or places, I am so glad that you're here, and I'm really glad you're here for this series, because one of our deepest passions as new community is we want to help lower the barrier to God's Word, so that no matter who you are or no matter what you believe, you can read the scriptures, the Bible, and you can experience a personal and powerful connection with God. I believe that's one of the most fundamental things we can do is not just talk about the Bible on Sundays, but give you the tools and the resources to be able to open it up yourself and really discover God's heart for you and God's heart for the one next to you and God's heart for the one 
beside us, that that would be what we would experience. And really, we want to be a new community who is passionate about God's word, who's passionate about what God says, and we can engage with him every time we open that book. That's our dream and our hope. And over the next five weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to be teaching on a section of the Bible that is in our New Testament, the second half, that is often referred to as the Gospels. The Gospels. And, and really, the, the next five weeks, we're answering two questions. That's all we're answering, so you can just kind of hold this and know this is where we're going. The two questions we're going to ask, don't put it up on the screen, just, just hold, the, hold the suspense. Um, two questions are this, what are the Gospels? And the second one is, what is the gospel? What are the gospels? In fact, I will tell you, last week I was working out and I got that very question. And I thought, hey, we should do a series on that. So that's what we're doing for the next five weeks. What, is, what are the gospels and what is the gospels? And what I hope is that you will be here every week and lean in with us, get a little curious with us. I'm hoping you take notes. In fact, today is kind of going to be a flyover of the whole series. And so you didn't know it, but you're going to school today. Come on, that's a good Sunday. And so the only way you're getting to lunch is through this message. So encourage me, you know, clap a little bit. Let's get it going and maybe I'll go faster. That's the goal. And so um, that's where we're going. But I really do. I, I, I want you to lean in. I want to invite you to get curious. I already said that. Get curious. Wonder why. I want you to start thinking about that. And here's, here's what I believe. I believe if we will have that kind of mentality and approach together, we will discover why the gospel and why the gospels are so relevant to our lives. I think it's going to be so powerful. If you're good with that, say bueno. Come on, come on. Somebody jumped out early. I appreciate that, that earliness. Um, awesome. Well, hey, let's get to this first question. Is that good? Let's just look at what are the Gospels, the Gospels. And that's a great question if you're asking it, if you want to know. The Gospels, when people use that word, word they're talking about these four eyewitness accounts in our New Testament of the life and the message of Jesus. In fact, the very word gospel it means good news. It, it, that's what the term is used for. And, and the reason we use that about these four books is because the message in the life of Jesus is good news. Come on, put your hands together if you believe that. It's good news for every one of us. And these Gospels, you can put it up, they're one of four. Um, they're, they're four accounts of Jesus' life in the New, New, New Testament. And, and they're more than just a story. They are theology. In other words, it's not like you just are reading a news article and you're just kind of you know, processing what happened. But really, these stories should change the way you think. And they should change the way you, you, you really you believe. They should change the way you live. That's what it's about. It's more than just understanding what Jesus did. It's really understanding what Jesus can do in you and through you. And that's kind of the heart. How we understand life, how we understand God, it's all framed from the Gospels. In fact, I believe that it's impossible to hear the Gospel story and not make a decision. Jesus and what he did, the things he did, and the things he claimed about himself, they demand a decision from each one of us. No matter who you are, no matter what you believe, no matter where you're sitting today, as you read these stories, as you understand that, in fact, I'm so glad, again, 
where, wherever you are in relation and to the Bible and how connected you feel to it or to, the, to Jesus or wherever you are in your journey of faith, I, I'm glad you're here, but you just need to know up front, this will demand a decision from you and you will have a choice to make every single week, but I hope you'll lean in. I really hope you will lean in and discover everything God has for you because there is so much in this that can really change your life. But before we get to the gospel, the gospel that can change your life, I want to talk a little bit more about these gospels, these four eyewitness accounts. Is that okay? This is where you might want to take some screenshots and you know, jot this down, jot down a few notes. Let me, let me hit it. The first four, go ahead and throw that next slide up. There's the four gospels. They are named after their authors, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's the order that they're in in our New Testament, and I'll tell you why they're in that order. The first three that are in yellow, they're what we call in Bible school the synoptic gospels. Synoptic means, I don't know. But what it means is they have a lot of content. Listen, it's just a fill in the blank on the test. That's all I remember. It's just, (laughs) it's good. We should keep learning from this guy. Yeah, let's, let's do that. All right. Synoptic Gospels means that these three share a lot of the same teachings, a lot of the same parables, a style of teaching from Jesus, a lot of the same miracles and works from Jesus. They follow a lot of the same flow together. And you may ask, why do we need three kind of accounts of the same story then? Like, why are there three? Why don't we just pick the best one, maybe the shortest one? That would be my vote, right? Like, why why do that? And here's why. And, And you know this already. Like, I don't have to explain this to you, but just think about it. In court... If you want a good account of the events that happened, you know you've got to have more than one witness, right? That's been true since the beginning of time. You know why? Because we've all had siblings. And he said doesn't count, right? Like we need two. That's why you have three kids, because you need two witnesses. I'm just helping you out, young marrieds, okay? You need two witnesses to that account. So you've got to have two. And and what's amazing is in our courts today, we actually have a very scientific approach to what determines if a witness's story is valid compared to the other ones. Like there's there are measurements and models for how much of like a personal testimony needs to align with the account. And there has to be some sort of unique amount of the testimony, unique perspective to the story, or else it's just we can tell it's fabricated. We've discovered that. We've got it down to a science today. What's really interesting is when you compare these three synoptic gospels to one another, they hit those metrics perfectly. These ancient documents written in the first century AD, they meet these standards that we would say, hey, these three would count in the court of law. They work for that. I just want you to hold on to that because that's so important. So that's one reason why we have multiple accounts. Let me give you another one, because, because you, you know it, whenever people, have you ever been somewhere with a friend, or if you're married with your spouse, and you were in the middle of a, a conversation or event, or you went to a party, and then you get in the car, and you're doing the play-by-play post-game analysis afterwards, and you're sitting there driving, and she's saying, he said this, and, and then you're thinking, I never heard those words I never saw that. I never, what are you talking about? That did not happen. Like they, they have three kids now? What? I didn't even see that. I was just, I, you know, you're just focused. Anyway, so I, can you, but do you know what I'm saying? Like th- we, we all see things differently. We come at things from a different perspective. That's why at NUCO, we are so big on both the men teaching and the woman teaching because we both see things from a different 
perspective. Oh, yeah, there you go. A little pro tip, pro tip. So that's why it's so important. And in the same way, you will see these four, actually, I'll bring John into this conversation. These four men who wrote these gospels are so different, so different. And because of that, we get a different vantage point. For example, two of these, two of these men were some of the original disciples of Jesus. We call them the word apostle, if you've ever heard that. There's 12 apostles. It's actually 13. There's actually more than that. But let's, uh, anyways, there were the original 12 that are apostles. We, um, Matthew, and, uh, Matthew and Luke are apostles. Mark and John, they followed, uh, excuse me, y'all got to correct me on this, okay? Matthew and John, come on, let's keep listening to this pastor up here, and he's talking about. Matthew and John are apostles. Mark and Luke were not. They were following Jesus, they believed in Jesus, they have eyewitness accounts that they're writing about, but they were not part of that original insider crew. That makes their perspective a little different. Here's another difference between these four authors. Two of them were educated, highly educated. Luke was a doctor. Matthew was a lawyer. The other two, John and Mark, were just common, lower-class men. One was a fisherman. Mark, we don't know, but there's a chance he got naked in the story, and that's just important to hold on to. So <laughs> anyways, um, listen, there's humor in the gospel. So you, we'll, we'll find that all serious. But does that help? So there's different vantage points. There's different perspectives. And that's why these four, when you put them together, you get a greater picture of the the life and the message of Jesus, the good news of Jesus, and we're going to talk more about that. But before we get there, let me just kind of lean in. I want to kind of go one by one and give you a quick overview. Is this good? Is this helping? Yeah, yeah, a little bueno's there. Y'all can, you know what? I, I give you permission to say bueno without me saying bueno. I'll just, is that okay for the rest of our lives? Okay, we can do that. All right, let's go here. One at a time, I just want to give you a quick overview. I promise it won't take too long. The first one is Matthew. As I said, Matthew was an apostle, and Matthew was a lawyer, or he was a tax collector. He worked for the IRS, um, except the difference is he worked for, it, it'd kind of be like if, um, if the Nazis in Germany had an IRS when they were you know, persecuting the Jews. That's kind of what Matthew worked for. Yeah, I know. And like it was, he was a, a cheat. He was a traitor. It was a dirty label to do what he did. You just got to feel that tension for who he was, how everybody who was a Jew felt about Matthew. And believe it or not, in his story, he lets you know that's how everybody thought about him. The only person who thought different was Jesus. And so it's important to understand that's where he's writing from. Here's the other thing, though, with Matthew. He's a tax collector, but as I said, because he's a tax collector, he's highly educated. He is highly educated both in the Roman tax law but he is also highly educated in the Jewish or the Hebrew uh, religious law, which is more than religion for them. It was their law of society. I mean, he was a lawyer for, for real. He was a master of what we, would, what we have in our Bibles. It's called the Old Testament or the, the Old Covenant or the Hebrew Bible. That's what he's a master of. And that's why he writes everything and connects everything that Jesus said and everything that Jesus did. He connects it back to what was prophesied in that Old Testament law about God's Messiah. 
That's why Matthew is the first one in of the four Gospels in our New Testament because Matthew connects the Old Testament, all the old law, what Jesus fulfilled, everything that Jesus, all the prophecies, how Jesus fulfilled those, over 47 prophecies about the Messiah, Jesus fulfilled. That's why Matthew is first because he connects the old to the new. Is that helpful? Is that helpful for you? So he does that. He emphasizes what Jesus said. He talks more about Jesus' teachings than any of the others. Jesus, he talks about Jesus would be the king. In fact, when you look at everything in the Old Testament, the, this prophecy about this God, that, that God would come and he would save us. He would be a savior king. He would be someone who would rule. And to his kingdom, there would be no end. He would rule over every nation. He would bless every nation. It was bigger than the Jews, but it was to the Jews. And, that's, and through the Jews, and that's what Matthew is connecting when he writes. It's so important. He's writing to a specific audience, people who knew that Old Testament law too. And he's writing to show them how Jesus is the fulfillment of everything they have yearned for and longed for. That's Matthew. Let's go to the next one. Thank you for that spontaneous bueno. I felt the spirit too. Let's go to Mark. Mark's my favorite because Mark is short. Come on, everybody. So Mark is 16 chapters. He skips Jesus' birth. He skips everything, just gets right to the point. Immediately is a word. If you're reading Mark, you got to pay attention to. He says it like, I don't know, 7,000 times. Maybe. Um, but Mark is not, as I said, he wasn't an, uh, an official apostle, but he, he helped Peter. And he actually was a traveling companion of Paul as well, the apostle Paul. Mark got his account from Peter. He was a missionary, as I said, and he wrote to the Romans. He wrote to them to explain that Jesus was a servant of everyone. He emphasized what Jesus did. And really, Mark is probably the earliest one and probably the source of both Matthew and Luke. That's why we believe those three have so much in common. He kind of got right to the point, and then Matthew was like, hey, you know what, let me kind of give a little bit of the, the Jewish history here and fill that in. So that's something to know with Mark. Let's go to Luke, number three. Luke was, as I said, he wasn't one of the apostles, but he was highly educated. He was a physician. He was a doctor. He was a missionary with Paul, which is why Luke wrote two books in our New Testament. Luke, is he wrote that gospel, but then he wrote part two. We call it in our, our Bibles, Acts. And it's really the story of how God used that first church and the apostle Paul to spread this good news around the world. Luke was a non-Jew, which is so important to think about. The other three are Jewish. He wrote as a non-Jew, someone who was an outsider to start with. You hear that? He, he was already on the outside, and he wrote to someone who was on the outside, a man named Theophilus. We don't know much about him, but I bet he was called Theo in middle school. That's all we know. Um, speculation. Don't, don't quote it. He wrote this, though. Here's what's so powerful about Luke. is Luke wrote that Jesus was not just a savior to the Jewish nation. He was a savior to all, to the poor, to the outcast. He writes about Jesus and his ministry to women more than any other author. He writes more about Jesus and his ministry to children more than any other. That Jesus was a savior for the whole world. And here's what's so powerful about Luke. He emphasizes what Jesus felt. Think about that. It's such an emotional book. You lean into the pain, the suffering, but also the joy, the passion of Jesus, even the anger of Jesus. Finally, he writes in such an orderly way. He's the only one who writes Jesus' life in chronological order or in the closest 
way of chronology. He arranges it in order because he's trying to line up details. He, he puts dates and names. In other words, he's asking everybody who reads, hey, fact check me on this. I've got the details to prove it. That's Luke's heart. And then finally, John. John, now if you made a decision to follow Jesus before, someone might have told you, hey, read John first. But they should have said Mark because it's the shortest. Right, that's right. But anyways, they told you John, and there's a reason why they said John. Because John has the most unique content of any of the four Gospels. And the reason why is because John, he was Jesus' closest and best friend. He gives himself a name that we don't use anymore, but it's the name Beloved. And he uses himself as that name all throughout his gospel. And what he gives us is he, he really focuses in on, on these key moments, these key signs, these key statements from Jesus, everything pointing to who Jesus was, that he wasn't just a good teacher. He wasn't just a man who could kind of work some miracles. Jesus was God in the flesh. He was God. And John gives us this kind of insider track to these private conversations and these private moments to just, just blow your minds about who Jesus was. He gives us the most unique content, and that is why people tell you to lean in because you know a best friend, man, if you, a best friend knows you better than anybody. And that's exactly the perspective that John gives us. Come on, put your hands together for these four gospels if that's some helpful information. That's good. Now, I, before we get to the second half of this, and, and I just, don't worry, um, I, I, but I'm going to answer this next question, what is the gospel? We're done with the question, what are the gospels? But before I get there, I do just want to give you a quick challenge, okay? In fact, um, I, I'm going to challenge you with this. What you put into this series is what you will get out of it. Is that good? Uh, it, what you put into this series is what you get out of it. I, I, don't, I think I said that one backwards, but that's okay. If, if, in fact, I want us to put this screen up, and I want you, I'm going to tell you to take out your phone right now, if you will, and I want you to scan this QR code, and here's why. Just do it for me. If you don't mind, just scan this QR code right now. Uh, I know, I'm giving you permission. This is great. Teen give it to your teenager if you want. Once you scan that, you'll go to our mobile site, and on there at the bottom, it says Gospel Series Resources. I want you to tap on that real quick. Just give it a little double tap, you know, just pop, pop. That's kind of how we're doing it. And I just want to tell you, we've got more. I want to do more than Sundays, and I want to invite us as a new community to do more than just hear about the Gospels on Sunday. I'm going to challenge you. In fact, you probably already heard me say some of it today. But I, I want to challenge you with three ideas of how you can get more out of this series. Everybody say more. Come on, I like it. Here's the first challenge. I want to challenge you that over the next 28 days, you would read the four Gospels. I know, and some of you are saying, Brandon, I need more of an on-ramp for that. Like, I cannot just start. Listen, it'll take most of us less than 15 minutes a day if we will just focus in. And it's for 28 days we can do it. I believe in you. 28 days that you can read through the entire Gospels. And here's the thing. There's lots of bad news that you watch and you scroll through, and I'm just asking you for 28 days to fix your eyes on some good news. Is that okay? Just turn off the bad news for 28 days and focus on some good news for 28 days. We've got a schedule there. You can read through it. I'll be honest. If you miss it, if you want to start tomorrow, go. If you want to start on Tuesday, go. We've just got it laid out how you can read every Gospel in seven days. And I want to encourage you to try that. If you've never read 
read it. Just read through it. Go through it. And I promise you, I believe you will be blessed if you do it. And I believe we will be different if we will do that together as a new community. Here's the second one. We live in a binge-watching culture, and your pastor is about to tell you to start binge-watching something. Isn't that good? So there's a series, if you haven't heard of it, it's called The Chosen. And maybe you've watched it, season one or season two. I can't remember if three's out yet or what, but it's basically the story of the Gospels on video. And I want to encourage you, not just read the Gospels, but download the app. We've got the link right there. You can download the app and you can watch the Gospels. You can do it alone. You can do it with your friends. You can do it with your roommates. You can do it with your family. You can do it with your small group. But just really take it in. Let this be a season where you are surrounding yourself with the good news of Jesus. And if you have done it before or watched it before or read it before, just come with fresh ears. Don't just look at what Jesus said. Look at how he said it. Pay attention to what he felt. Pay attention to what he does. Pay attention to the things that he says. It's so important. I think it'll change your life if you will do that. Is that good? And then let me give you one other challenge. We are starting a small group this Wednesday night. It's going to meet for five weeks. It's called Gospel Deep. It's on Zoom, Wednesdays at 7 p.m. The Zoom link is right on that page I sent you to. And you can be a part of, as you read through these, some of our leaders are going to take you through understanding more and going deeper into the Gospels. But here's their heart, and I believe you'll get it. It's that you would fall in love with Jesus even more. Not just that you know more, but that you love more. And that's my challenge to you. In fact, uh, we're going we're gonna to make sure that, that this gospel, that, man, you know it, that it's something that is in our church and it's something that we do together. And I believe, as I said, I believe that this will change your life. In fact, you may be saying, Brandon, it sounds like just a bunch of stories. It sounds like a little bit of homework. But I, I promise you, the gospel has the power to change your life. The gospel, when it gets inside of you, it will revolutionize the way you think. I just want you to... Th- just, just fill in the blanks for this question. What, what is something that could take a teenage boy and could, could really grab hold of his life and change it forever? What would something be that could take a teenage boy who's walking one direction and completely turn him the other direction? The gospel. The gospel is that. That's what happened in me, and that's what can happen in you. Beyond a boy, think about a man. Like Paul, the Apostle Paul, which if you don't know his story, he wrote over half of our New Testament and our Bibles. But before that, Paul was sanctioned by the government to kill Christians. And then he met Jesus after the resurrection. And he said, that's not normal. And his life was changed. And Paul, who used to kill Christians, was killed for being a Christian. That's the story of Paul. What could cause that kind of change in someone's life? So much so that they would be willing to die for it. It's the gospel. It's the gospel. The gospel has the power not just to change their lives, not just to change my life, but to change your life. Good? Good. So let's ask ask that question then. What is the gospel? And I'm going to give it to you. It's on my shirt. It's been here the whole time. You didn't even know it. What is the gospel? We're going to help you understand this. It's super simple. In fact, put this up on the screen, the image, and I just want you to look at this. Here's the gospel. It's these five things. If you'll throw it up there. We don't have the image, so I want you to look at my shirt. It's good. Good thing I work out because otherwise, I'm just joking. Here's the gospel. The gospel is that he came. 
He died. He rose again. He ascended, and he's coming back. Come on, say it with me. He came. He died. He rose again. He ascended, and he's coming back. Come on, with a little passion. He came. He died. He rose again. He ascended, and he's coming back. And you may be asking, what makes that such good news? I'm going to tell you two words that make that such, in fact, the best news you could ever have. It's that he came for you. And he came for you. And he died for you. And he died for you. Come on. He rose again for you. And he ascended for you. And he ascended for me. And he's coming back for you. And he's coming back for me. The thing that makes this the best news is that the gospel is personal. He came for me. He died for me. He rose again for me. He ascended for me. And y'all, he's coming back for me. And that's why this is the best news that we can share. The best news that saves us, but the best news that calls us. And that's what we're going to be looking at. Let me just walk it through with you because I believe this is something that will change us if we will let it sink in. Come on. The first one is this, that Jesus came. Jesus came. And here's the scripture. I want you to look at how the, the John, the apostle, began his passage, his document. This is what he says. He says, in the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. He existed in the beginning. Who's John talking about? He's talking about Jesus. And, and what is he talking about? He says that phrase, in the beginning. What is he saying? He's saying God, Jesus was with God in the beginning. I hate to break the news to you, but Jesus was not born on Christmas. Come on. That's okay. We can still celebrate. Jesus came to earth on Christmas. Kind of. I know some of you, yeah, okay, April, whatever. Anyways, but that's what we celebrate. Jesus already existed, and here's what he did. Here's what he's been doing from the beginning of time to today. This is it. The word, when he, in creation, he gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. Come on, don't you know, put your hands together, if you know Jesus is still bringing light and life to anyone who lets him in their hearts. That's what happened. Jesus came. He came for you, but I believe he also came to show you the way. You know, many times the gospel is presented as something that has to do with your eternity, but Jesus came for your today. He came to show you the way. In fact, he calls himself the way, the model for the life you and I are to live. And if the way you live your life is any different from the way Jesus is living his life, I just want to put it out to you. That you, not Jesus, are heading in the wrong way. And Jesus invites us to follow him. Too many of us are modeling our life, come on, after cheap invitations and fake filters. And Jesus says, come follow something that's real. That's the invitation. He came for you and he came for me. I want you to wrestle as you read the text this week, you're going to start with the Gospel of Luke. I want you to wrestle and say, am I really following the way? Is my life truly reflecting the way of Jesus? Is that good? That's good. Come on, I got three minutes to get through 17 points. Here we go. He came for you. Here's the second one. I'm just going to move to the next one. He died for you. He died for you. Jesus did not just come to give you a model, but he came to live a perfect life. 
knowing that you and I, we could not do that to sacrifice himself for us. And you may wonder why. I love it. Good curiosity. Why did Jesus have to die? And the simple answer is because you and I are messed up. <laughs> right? I mean, so here's what the Bible says. Bible says, calls it sin. But let's be honest. I don't need the Bible to tell me I sin, and neither do you. We don't even keep our own rules. Come on, you don't work out three times a week. Come on, you have chocolate after 9 o'clock at night? I'm on, let's be honest. You don't, come on, you watch that show that leads you into lust and envy. We are so addicted to our phones, and we're acting like it's not a big deal. We can't even keep our own rules. We don't need the Bible to tell us, but it tells us that each one of us have fallen short. Literally, sin means, it's an archery term, it means to miss the mark. Each one of us have missed the mark that our hearts know we were made for. But God, God loved you so much that he did not want you to just have to stay there, separated from him, separated from the life, on a trajectory that you could never fix on your own. God came. In fact, here's what Romans 3.24 reminds us, is that God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin, for your sin and for my sin, so that people can be made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life for me. And he came and died for me. And he came and died for you. That is the power and the promise of the gospel. And Jesus made sure to seal it when he said the words on the cross, his very last breath. He said, it is finished. It's finished. But most of us, we, we hear these words and we interpret it like the original disciples did, like John did, and like, like, uh, like Matthew did. We hear it is finished and we interpret it like Jesus' own mother did, like Jesus' own brothers did, that it was bad news, that it was over. The king was dead. The movement was done. In fact, too many of us have heard news like that, and we've just taken it as bad news. You know it. That we, they didn't understand how to interpret this, and we don't either. Too many of us, we've heard Jesus declare this thing, and we just think it's bad news for each one of us. But when he said it's finished, he had something totally different in mind. Come on, you and I. Sometimes we've heard, let a doctor's report say it is finished. Sometimes we've let divorce papers say, it is finished. Sometimes we've let other people say, it is finished. But when Jesus said, it is finished, what did he mean? He said that that sin in your life, it is finished. That shame in your life, it is finished. That guilt in your life, it is finished. Come on, Nuko. That sickness in your life, it is finished. That the heaven is yours. Your future is secure. That death in the grave, it is finished. That is Jesus. Come on, put, his hand, put your hands together and praise him today. The reason Jesus died on the cross was to finish the sentence of death in your life. That is the gospel. But that's not all of the gospel. Come on, you know it. 1102, let's keep going. Number three, come on, Jesus rose again and he rose again for you. And for me, that's right. It was on the first day of the week after Jesus had died on the cross, very early in the morning, when the women who had watched him die, watched him take his last breath, watched the spear be shoved into his side, those very women took spices they had prepared for what? To embalm a dead body. That's what you do with spices when you go to the tomb. 
They went there expecting to find that, but they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Suddenly, as they were there, two men in clothes that gleamed, that had, they had light-up shoes on, like my eight-year-old son. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like when they stomped, it lit. That's what it says. Gleamed like lightning. Stood beside them, and they said, here's what those two men said. Why do you look for the living among the dead? Come on, the Holy Spirit's here today, and he's saying, why are you looking for life among things in this world that are already dead? Why are you looking for life in the things of this world that have already, they, they have no purpose, they have no value. Why are you chasing that dollar sign? Why are you chasing that relationship? Why are you chasing that, that, that job or that calling? Why do you think that's going to fulfill you? Those things are dead. There's only one place to find life, and that's in Jesus, because Jesus rose from the dead so you could have life. Come on, the tomb is empty so that you could be full. Put your hands together if you believe that today. That is the gospel. And I believe this month we're going to learn what it means to live full of life in Jesus. Here's number three. I want to give it, or number four, number three plus one, is that he ascended. He ascended. And what that means is Jesus, there's a story that Jesus, after he was raised from the dead, he appeared to over 500 eyewitnesses who all saw them and could tell you, yeah, we ate fish on the beach and then, you know, I saw him. I mean, it's crazy. And, and they had the 500 witnesses. He was living with them for about 40 days. And then he ascended into heaven. And you may wonder, why did he leave? If this is true, all this is true, why did he leave? Don't take my word for it. Take his. This is what, what he said. He said, it's best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate won't come. But if I go away, I will send him to you. And you're asking, well, who's the advocate? The advocate is the Holy Spirit. And the promise of the gospel does not stop at the cross. The promise of the gospel does not stop with resurrection. The promise of the gospel includes this call that the very spirit that raised Christ from the dead can redeem your life. It can set you free. It can empower you to live a life full of purpose. That is just as much a part of the gospel as everything that has to do with the cross. And when that spirit comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness. And of the coming judgment. And here's what Jesus said. That when that Holy Spirit comes on you, you will receive power. And you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. Here's what you have to understand about why the ascension is so important. Because you are not just saved by the gospel, but you are called by the gospel. Come on, you are not just saved by the gospel, but you are called. Now, go. And tell the world, spread the news. There is victory for everyone, every outcast, every man, every woman. It doesn't matter what your past was. It doesn't matter what you believe. Jesus can set you free and redeem that life of purpose. Come on. He came. He died. He rose again. He ascended. And finally, he's coming back. He's coming back. See, the gospel is full of peace and assurance and hope for you. That God has you. and God has your life. And Jesus said, don't worry. Jesus said, don't be afraid. Let me read it to you. He says, there's more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have not told you that I'm coming to prepare a place 
for you. When everything is ready, everybody say ready. I will come and get you so that you will always be with me. Right now, that's what Jesus is doing. He's preparing a place. Like I said, there's peace and assurance and there's purpose to our days here. But when is Jesus coming back? When he's, when he's ready. So my prayer, our prayer for you is that you're ready when he's ready. And that when Jesus comes back, he finds you on mission, making sure everybody is ready when he's ready. Don't count the Lord's slowness as slowness, but count it as patience because he wants to make sure everybody gets a chance. Everybody gets a chance, not just to know this, but to experience this in their lives. Here's my hope. My hope is that it's difficult for anyone in Glen Allen to go to hell because new communities here. My hope is that it's difficult for anyone in Hanover to go to hell because new community is here. And there's a new community of people who are so passionate. They don't just don't share Jesus. They live like they have to share Jesus because there is an end. Because hell is real. Because pain is real. Because hopelessness is too frequent in our community. And we're saying there's an answer for that. There's healing for that. There's hope for that. And that healing is in Jesus' name. And that hope is in Jesus' name. And there's a power you can live in in Jesus' name. There's good news of great joy for everyone. And that is why it's so important to remember He's coming back. He's coming back. So let's be ready. Good? I'm going to invite you to stand right where you are. Thanks for joining us today. We hope that this message inspired you to take your next step in your faith journey with Jesus. Yeah, and we'd love to connect with you further. And the best way to do that is at our website, thenewcommunity.church, where you can connect to our small groups, find other resources, and even give to the work God's doing through New Community.